The sign we'll be talking about today is Virgo, which is incredibly difficult to explain. It's complicated. It's not necessarily incredibly difficult, but it's uh, much packed into the sign because, of course, it's the feminine dispensation and the entire Diva Kingdom and its purpose is veiled by Virgo. Therefore, one has to have an appreciation of that kingdom and its relationship to the human. As such, of course, it's the mother of nature and it governs nature itself, the green verdure of nature and all of the creation myths associated with Virgo and the various feminine goddesses in night sky and history in mythology all have a relationship to Virgo. The keen intellectual aptitude of Virgo, the Mercurian quality, is actually the diva mind. The way that the mind of the divas work, translated of course into the human vernacular, it's that crisp, clear, clean mind that is highly illuminating. The whole history of evolution is veiled in Virgo. The substance, primordial substance called Mother Prakriti, its translation into Prakriti and the whole evolution of that substance by way of Diva Mind until it evolves into Super Mind. Therefore you can see it's quite a vast amount of information. The pole opposite of Virgo, which is Pisces, is the storehouse of the residue of substance at the ending of evolutionary process, the Prelaya period, when one ascends into a new arc of evolution, there's a residue, and the residue then gets carried into the next body of manifestation, some scars of the future that must be transformed. It's also governed by Virgo. The first thing I suppose I want to point out is that she's resting on a pillar, or there's a pillar behind her, and it's actually one of the two pillars of the temple of the Gemini card in the Masonic tradition they're called Yachum and Boaz. But we'll just look at it, the Ida and the Pingala Nadi stream. Therefore, she embodies one of those two Nadi streams, which is the Ida. And therefore, one of the two pillars of the temple is behind her. She is the access to that. To the mysteries of the temple associated with that particular pillar. There's behind her, therefore, a um, a geometrical symbol, which is really a hexagram, and that six-sided figure, which becomes a hexagon, is also the feminine, the the geometry of the feminine principle in nature. It relates to the sacral center and the process of giving birth. You, she holds the world sphere or a world sphere in her hands in her stomach area of course signifying that she's pregnant there if you look at what she is holding you can see there's two figures one is a figure that's turned around with head and feet 
joined around the outside and the other is a figure that is linked up with that at the center a smaller figure that when you actually look at the hands and the feet the way they are joined you see that it forms a mutable cross a swastika and at the very center of course the a triad of colors can anyone have any of you ever wondered how a logos a planetary logos's chakras are actually oriented in space here we have a circular sphere and somehow the chakras we are used to standing upright wherever chakras one upon each other in a vertical situation but a logos is manifesting in a circular body a spherical body so involution and evolution involution and evolution yes that's getting much much closer to it if you think of this this circular body that makes the sphere of attainment that's outwardly focused the being is focused outward to the whole universe with the feet centers and the head center joined and then all the chakras manifesting within that sphere in a circular motion that uh, symbolizes the attainment of a logos or the manifestation of a, a logos within a sphere of activity such as it is our earth or a solar system such a logos whether it's a solar logos a planetary logos etc is whenever such a being takes incarnation is esoterically within the the womb of the great mother all of evolution aspires to escape out of that womb to be born in a vaster space like the fetus all of us are part of the fetus of the mother of the world and we can only escape at the taking of the sixth initiation of this planetary ring past not the child straddling this logos in the center manifesting the mutable cross symbolizes each unit within a logoic sphere that must manifest the periodic cyclic mutable activity which is the cross of the feminine dispensation that will eventually enable it to grow into a logos and escape the confines of the sphere so there is the god within and the god without that which which is within is also reflected in that which is without as within so without that which is above is also below these hermetic axioms is what symbolized at the very center of the great mother and she holds this in her hand in loving concern she's downward focused essentially now and you can see by the coloration the colorings that i gave there which is the pink of the version leading to a violet coloring that it's the 6th and 7th ray force that is primarily engendered within the womb that allows the being in samsara to escape to use that type of force the first and second rays of course are 
the first two planes of perception, whereas here we have the sixth and the seventh symbolised, and the general green of nature, which is all around, is the third ray, the atomic plane, and within that then you have the orange of the mind up close and the other colours, the yellow, the fourth ray, the orange, the fifth ray, and then in the centre of the womb area, the sixth and the seventh. So the the five rays of mind are exemplified in this particular picture. Now, it's probably escaped most of you, but also the um, symbol in the centre is called uh, the Fesica Pisces, and uh, it's part of the geometry of the symbol of Pisces, but it's also the vaginal orifice. And if you look at it closely, you'll see that there, and you'll find that the the very centre, of course, where the child is, is the opening of the womb from which the head of manifestation comes. The geometry, the overlying geometry that's there, is the geometry of the base of the spine, the sacral and the gonads interrelated uh, from whence we get the point of rising of Kundalini. And so what I've shown there, for those that are really esotericists, they'll recognise it as the generation of the Kundalini fire. The Kundalini fire is not just happens at when one's meditating and vying for enlightenment, but it's the energy that sustains the form. It is the energy that builds the form. It is the internal heat of all living entities. So it is the force of the mother that produces life-giving warmth and builds the form. So it was in the beginning and so it is at the end. So this kundalini energy is also part of the symbolism of the pillar and the mysteries veiled by the holy of holies of the Virgoan. So she holds quite a lot in her hands and it's her task to bring birth to it all, the inner and the outer. You can see, therefore, the the mother is a sacrificial figure. It's not just carrying the child in the womb, but it's bringing it to adulthood. You can see that pillar also is um, has an inverted triangle at the bottom, which um, in many ways is the symbol of fertility. You can roughly sort of relate it to the pubic hair, but or the pubic mound, but the other thing that it can be linked to is the, the phallus, the divine act of procreation that produces, you know, sows the seed within the womb, of course, eventually liberates the fire. It unites with the fire. The father, or the monadic aspect, seeks the feminine 
and at the appropriate time descends down the spinal column, unites with the goddess and the combined fires rise up and awaken the chakras in the head centre. This is all veiled at the central part of this particular card and you can see this particular downward motion is the green, the green of divine activity, of Atma. Effectively, it means the resolution of karma. Virgo actually symbolises the generation of karma. And the when the monadic aspect comes down to liberate the fire and unite with it, that's the resolution of karma. The light blue, of course, at the background of the mandala, that's the the energy of buddhi, of the cosmic ethers that pour through nature. At the very front of the picture, so that gives you another and more of an idea and, and just to show you just essentially how vast this particular uh, Virgo is. It's the most ancient sign. Now we'll look at some of the symbolism of the card itself and at the very front you have ears of wheat and so in the orange because it's the do of the mind and Virgo very much rules the mind or her domain. Well, it's the mercurial mind. But whichever way, it's the the forces of nature that produces all the diversity of nature. The divas themselves are embodiments of mind. So the eel wheat is some, you know, they're golden grains, essentially. They're ripe uh, and they symbolize that mental disposition of the Virgo. And it's also the goddess series, series. It's one of the symbols of Virgo is actually the goddess holding a sheaf of wheat, right? Series or series. It immediately relates to the mythology of that goddess and the sheaf of wheat. So if you, some of the depictions of Virgo astrologically is actually the woman with the the sheaf of wheat, because it symbolises abundance. In the Northern Hemisphere, when is the sign Virgo? What season? The harvest, and that's the abundance. And so it's the abundance of Mother Nature, of all the, the precious gifts that Mother Nature gives, the food that sustains all of her children. So this is symbolised by the ear of wheat and of course you've got all the little grains on it and the little grains can relate to mind or aspects of mind little lives and so forth that work in group formation what i painted at the very beginning back in those days was actually four different flowers or four different uh, members of the vegetable kingdom first of all we had the ears of wheat and then we have the rose and the lily and also in the middle there's a a lovely little five-pointed purple flower for which I have no specific name but I painted them because they had to be that color and they had to be five-pointed to 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 do the symbolism and there we have effectively the four main elements of life 
little butterflies, but that's above. We're just looking at the very beginning, the very front of the picture. And so we have, therefore, four elements depicted. And, of course, the, the main green is the fifth element, uh, which govern nature. And the wheat is obviously the, the fiery element, the mental plane. The, the little violet flowers... Uh, the Ephric double relating to the earthy element and the white lilies is the watery element. From this particular perspective, the roses are the, the buddhi. The fire is the, the wheat, it's the orange. But in this particular case, the Ephric is part of the earthy element. The physical plane is divided into two. The reason why the rose here is the airy element is because the rose and the lily also relate to the Ida and Pingala nadis, right? So so the Pingala is the the airy, the buddhi, and the the lily is the Ida and in this particular case it conveys the, the watery aspects of the feminine. Now the green is Atma. Uh, the green is the highest plane from which everything, all karma comes from and all karma is resolved. And the general colour of Mother Nature and of the Mother herself, she's embodied on the atmic plane, is this green. Now, the little five-pointed, the reason why they do the, the lilac colour, because it's the general colour of the Ephric body, and they five-pointed because Kaifrana as you got it, exactly. The five is the the Ifrit grid upon which the chakras are based on. It's actually the the underlying geometric mandala. So the chakras are based on the number six, and the Ifrit web upon which they stem is based on the number five. And therefore you have the five and the six interrelationship. It's quite... If I ever did my big geometry, if I had the time to write up on it, I'll explain all of that in detail. You can see these four elements with the, the the veiled fifth behind. Now, when you go to the where the lilies and the roses are, then you have added symbolism. For immediately above them is a child uh, touching two things. One is touching a sphinx, and the other is touching a spiral, a spiral flower, and. This particular child, therefore, which stands in between the lily and the rose, symbolises what? Human nature, yes. We'll go more into that, but something else specifically. Well, if you remember that I mentioned we've got the Aidanadi. The Sushumna. It's the Sushumna. The Sushumna is the... Yes, it's the, the child um, that's the fusion of the two that grows. The child is that which grows. Here we've got the child was also introduced into this picture, A, to symbolise the awakening of the Shashumna, which is what the human kingdom does through the meditation process. And B, it introduces the human kingdom into what is otherwise the feminine dispensation or the dispensation of the diva kingdom. So why do you think the child is touching the sphinx? 
Because it's the fusion between um, Leo, which is the human consciousness and soul and the substance of um, Virgo, which creates the form aspect. Yes, and the diva, that's right. It's that the fusion between the two, and that's what the Sphinx symbolizes, a time when Leo and Virgo were one sign. The child touches the Sphinx and then attaches a flower, if you wish, that is spiral. That's the spiral cyclic motion that the child must develop in consciousness. And when the Sphinx is understood and the spiral cyclic motion is properly awakened, then the Kundalini can be developed or the Shishumna can be awakened. So you've got a trinity between the the thinking principle, which what the human unit represents, or the consciousness principle, the consciousness bearing principle, and the two nadis. The reason why there's butterflies there is because I'm... In a in a veiled sort of sense, veiling them as divas. When I did did a painting, I could have drawn in little divas, and maybe I should have drawn little divas here and there, rather than the the total verge of nature. But that's what they they symbolise. So there's all sorts of little eyes and things all over the place in the background, little lives that that symbolise just the, the the abundance of nature. And effectively, there's the little fairies and that type of life. Now, in the background, you also have a tree. And wrapped around the tree is a serpent. So what do you think that symbolizes? Is it back to the raising Kundalini? Uh, somewhat, but it's not. It's a kind of more specific. Um, the tree of knowledge from the Garden of Eden. That's right. The, the tree of knowledge from the Garden of Eden. Yeah. And so that, of course, is what Eve... You all remember the story? Mm-hmm. Uh, plucked the forbidden fruit of, and it um, caused God to expel Adam and Eve into uh, the paradise we know of as Earth. Well, anyway, it kicked them out of paradise and, and gave them Earth, which is not a paradise to live on. This whole mythology to do with human evolution and the feminine principle that plucks this apple. The apple, incidentally, is the permanent atom. That's what an apple symbolises. If you ever look at a a diagram of a permanent atom in cosmic fire, you'll find it's just an apple. And so so you can see that this whole mythology is veiled there. And, And it's another sign, like Virgo, you can see that they both are very similar in that at the night sky... They have all the stars and the, the the vastness of the night sky behind them. In Virgo's case, I mean in um, Gemini's case, it really represents the etheric uh, space, cosmic ethers. But in Virgo's case, it's the um, that which gives birthing to galaxies, to stars, everything. And so there's a... Um, You know, in um, the case of Gemini, we've got the sun and the moon depicted like a tanka in Buddhist tankas. Whereas in this particular Virgo sign, they are missing. But what you have instead is some spiral galaxies and other types of galaxies, clusters of stars, and of course one galaxy in the form of a swastika, which 
as I said, is the symbol of the feminine in nature, and it's the swastika and the movement of the swastika that brings about the the motions of birthing and so forth, that mutable activity. So you can see when you compare the background of the two, uh, the Gemini and Virgo, that the Virgo is much more active in terms of galaxies and things, and Gemini has the sun and the moon and sense, and more or less just stars in the background. So that entire birthing of stars, galaxies, cosmos, universe, it's all within the great matter. As a matter of fact, it's quite interesting if you ever look at a very, very detailed map of the cosmos, then you'll find in Virgo, um, the section that Virgo rules, is a vast number of galaxies. It's um, probably the most populated area of the night sky for galaxies. And so there's a reason for that, now that you have an idea. You can see with this particular card, therefore, everything that has got to do with the feminine dispensation and all levels from cosmic space down to our Earth life, including your lives, is symbolised by this card. Exoterically, the, um, uh, the exoteric mantra for this card is activity in the womb of nature. So it's this continuous activity. This is the activity of samsara, and it's Basically, the mother looks after the child as the child goes through all of those growth pains and all the idiocy of learning. That's the general governments of the the Virgoan. Curious, curiosity, uh, more curious and much more activity and learning the hard way what not to do. But what, are, what are the red bits above her head? The red bits are a part of the, the pillar of the temple, right? So, and... It feels like three serpent heads too, isn't it? It can be, it can be. There's also the erotic, the symbolism of a penis going up of the, um, if you want to go into that type of symbolism of the energy of Kundalini going up and therefore it's the red because it's the, the fiery aspect of the liberating fires going upwards. Can I ask also about it, um, is that part above the womb sort of element? Is that supposed to be like the parting of her top? So you see her flesh there above it? No. The triangle is? And, and like the parting of the cloths like a rainbow sort of Well, you can see there's actually two, two different colorations making six. And so those colours, again, relate to the two Nadi streams. Mm-hmm. One is um, more predominantly on the orange line, and the other is the, you know, green and violet. So, so that's the, the, um, the, the rays coming into manifestation. The heart. From technically a heart, or you know, in this particular case, because it's made semitically um, between her breasts. From out of the heart... Out of her compassion comes the technically the milk of that sustains the universe or that sustains the child and it sustains an entire world sphere that those two that we've described before. So that's that was just one way 
I could depict it, you know, one could sort of have a, a breast with a hand underneath and milk coming from it or something like that to do the same sort of thing, but that's much more symbolic and I think more appropriate. The esoteric aphorism for this card is the mother of the divine child. And so all of you understand this. It's the divine child. And so she gives birth to the child that is working towards initiation. That's her purpose, is to produce the initiate out of all of the activity of nature. And esoterically, the sower for the harvest. Hierarchically, the sower for the harvest. And she is the one that sows the golden grain of of the souls of humanity. You have to understand, of course, and when we... That it's the mother's kingdom, the divas, that create the soul form. So each human soul is actually sown by the the mother, by the feminine principle. And so she sows the grain into the verdant earth and waters it and looks after it. So that eventually it can be harvested by the lords of life, by the consciousness-bearing principle, by the logos, who we could think of in terms of being her partner if you're looking at the the buddha and his consort so the buddha harvests harvests what the mother sows hierarchically so all the seeds of life and that's obvious to you and basically i always look at it in terms of sowing the the fields of wheat as each golden grain is a human soul if you look at the the general coloring of the soul it's the golden orange color as is the ripened wheat uh, it's a um, symbol for a human soul. And the human soul is also organized according to groups. So as we um, saw, the cross it's on is mutable. And we've discussed the mutable cross in relationship to Virgo, cosmically and also um, physically. It's the planet that it governs is the Earth. I mean, the element is the Earth. And obviously, it's in many ways the earthy sign in the zodiac. The two other earthy signs are Capricorn and Taurus. They are earthy in a different way. Taurus, um, as you can see, is another feminine sign, and and um, in many ways, it's par excellence also the feminine. Taurus, more logically, is is the, the cosmic. It's more abstract feminine. But do, do you feel like it's more like you know how you've gone to Virgo being quite? I mean, obviously it's a mental, but you know it's really embedded in a sense in the nature and creation. Whereas to me, it's like Taurus has got a more cosmic abstract. It's more cosmic from that and perspective. And Capricorn is like more. It's much more earthy. Again, it's, like. Yeah. That's right. Capricorn is concretized. It's material. It's the mountain, mount of substance. The Virgo is the diva kingdom, mm. and the Taurus is the diva and the human fused uh, to become the feminine creative principle in cosmos. And um, basically, Taurus is the the plie, and so it it's manifests in terms of the field of desire, whereas the Virgo and is the actual body of expression of those fields. And Capricorn is the mountain of, of substance that one must overcome if one is to master the earthy substance. Yeah, so is Capricorn a masculine sign? It generally is um, masculine. Okay, now, and then 
So that's the element is the earth. And then the exoteric sign is, we're talking about Virgo, it's Mercury and the Mercurial mind, all of you know, and it's the Caduceus heat and all the, everything to do with the the rising of forces. So the Caduceus stuff is held in Mercury and the Mercurial mind is that which is the messenger of the gods. The esoteric planetary ruler is the moon and the moon veils two planets. One is Vulcan, exoterically. So we're looking at the esoteric. The, the Vulcan can give the Virgoan mind quite sometimes intense, hard outer shell. They can be quite critical and petty and so forth, uh, can be somewhat destructive. And then the esoteric aspect that is Uranus. Uranus is the planet of occultism the seventh ray, and Vulcan is the first ray. There's this, the Virgoan holds the, the, the blend of the seven rays, the first and the, and the seventh, in, in their hands. Whereas then the Uranus allows the Virgoan to, to understand and master nature. And of course you can see, if you're going into the Vulcan side of it, you can be, as you can probably know, you know, it can be very critical you know, picky, finicky, can be obsessed with things. Those types of things to do with the aspects of the first ray that comes into it this way, but via the moon, via the psyche, via the emotional body. The esoteric, the hierarchical ruler is Jupiter, the god of wisdom, or the lord of wisdom. The Virgo, and once the Virgo has mastered the material nature, gains the second rave attribute as a consequence, the love-wisdom principle. The enlightened Virgoan is, is what? A lover of nature, if you want? In, in the true sense of the term of being able to heal the sicknesses, diseases, the, the problems in nature. Second ray is, is par, uh, par excellence, a healing ray. And of course, Mercury itself, the caduceus stuff, is always seen as a healer. Another thing to do with Mercury was also the god of commerce and the, the voyager, those that sailors were ruled by Mercury and commerce making money, gold. Okay, that's the overview of this particular sign. Yeah, could you clarify the, the, the top part of the pillar, please? It's the golden red, look like a more well, as I said, the top part of the pillar is really just the the, the top of the temple uh, that's seen as of so Gemini. If you look in the detail of the, the Gemini card, you'll see a similarity. Yeah, but in the Gemini card, I have different colour. In this particular card of, of Virgo, it is red and gold, as I said, because it relates to the rising of the Kundalini, and it necessitates the will to do so. The green itself has bowed in it the ability to use the will in order to overcome all of the problems of nature, all of the material domain that they've incarnated into. You said earlier also um, that the th- you could see sort of like three serpent heads and that's like the three nadis. Yeah, yeah uh, the red. What, what does it mean in this case? It's the first rate, the will. 
the will that that um, must overcome the vicissitudes of the the finicky etc um, Virgo and mind and all of the aptitudes of nature and even if you can see her hair is red it's a mixture of red and gold so the red sort of um, fuses in the red is really just a high octave of the green the will must be developed in order to master nature it can't be done just through love it can't be done without love at the same time, yes. <laughs> and the the down-pointing arrow, it's also a blue-green. It's not... Um, the, the blue is inherent in the green. When I first saw that, I, my instant thought was a pyramid, an inverted pyramid. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's another way of looking at it. Okay, so as you can see, it's a difficult card, and it's a vast amount of information, because you can go into all the myths, to do with the feminine principle and it's all veiled by Virgo. But and another thing to to properly understand, to to properly understand of course, is the relationship to the sacral centre, the sacral basis spine, to the energization of nature, the concept of fertility, to handling of energies. Energies have to be properly handled in this sign. And that's what the you know caduceus stuff hopefully will give you the ability to do. Okay. She symbolizes for me really the balance between the terrestrial nature from the earth nature and the divine nature. Yes. It's like a divine intermediary between the two giving birth to whatever is needed. Yes, give birth of stars as birth of And also it can be birth of monsters and all of the hydras of people's desires. So there's many, many different aspects of, of what can be given birth to in Virgo, as we all know. And it must all be controlled and the, the will must be developed in order to do so via its uranium attributes, the seventh ray.